morning, church. Wasn't that a good word? My husband and I are in Genesis this morning. Interesting, eh? <laughs> Amen. Please hold up your Bibles or your cell phones. <laughs> if you've got a Samsung, maybe a little bit higher. I've developed a newfound respect for Samsung. I have an iPhone, by the way. Okay, someone say, this is my Bible. I believe what it says. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer. I'm not a doubter. I am a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word. And my life will never be the same again. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Amen. Put your Bibles down. And please open them during service. (laughs) Amen. Today I want to talk to you about the power of confession. I want to talk to you about the power of putting God's word in your mouth. Amen. And God has been giving me um, revelation upon revelation um, about this specific topic. Um, I think I've got enough chapters now to write a book. And so today I just want to share with you some of the principles. Amen. God has given us a really powerful method. Um, and, and, and we really, it really is up to us to use it. Okay. This method that he's given us to obtain his promises is called the power or the law of confession. Okay. Confession comes from the Greek word homologio. And if you look at that word, it can literally be split up into two. The first part being homo, which means the same. And the second part being logio, which means the word. So if you put them together, you come up with the definition of confession being to say the same thing as God says. In other words, to declare what God says. Now, if you have any doubt, really, about how powerful this, this, this principle is, just think about it for a moment. Think about how God created the heavens And how he created the earth. He spoke them into being, right? We hear in Genesis 1, God said something. And the something he said appeared. In other words, I think he said, God said, let there be light. And light appeared. Now, why is this so significant? Because in Genesis 1 verse 26, God said something so profound. Even the angels must have gasped. He said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. In other words, he said, let us make man to have our nature and let us make man to function like we do. Church, do you know what this means? It means like God, you are a speaking spirit. Amen. It means like God, you possess the creative power to create your world. With your words. Amen. Amen. Now over the years, I've, I've really come to take this revelation so seriously. Um, even my, my, my small little kids can't escape uh, me, me teaching this. Because I've, I've really realized in order to win in this life, in order to, for me to, to really just achieve everything that God needs me to do, not only do I need to watch how I think, but I need to watch what comes out of my mouth. Amen. And it, it, it was a challenge. I'll say it was really a challenge because I grew up, I didn't really grow up in church. Um, so I, I, I grew up ignorant. 
And I didn't know that the words that I was speaking from my mouth were actually impacting my life, whether it is negatively or positively. So, so I, I really had to renew my mind and I really had to start saying what God had to say about the situation. So I, I take this, I take this revelation so very seriously and even, even my, my, my two small children can't, can't escape me preaching to them every day about how it is important to watch what you have to say. And to put it in context, my kids are, my daughter, my oldest daughter is four and my youngest daughter is 16 months. And just the other day, um, I overheard a conversation my four-year-old daughter was having with my mother. And she says, Granny, you know, my mommy, my mommy won't let Tinaya and I use the word, uh, I can't. And I was in the next room, and I, I literally could almost hear the amusement in my mom's voice, right? She, she says, Manesu, okay, why won't your mommy uh, let you use the word, I can't, right? My four-year-old then proceeded to give my mother a lesson on the power of confession. She says, Granny, you know, Mommy says, if you say you can't, then you won't. You won't be able to do what you need to do. Amen. And she says, but if you say I will try or I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, then you're likely to be able to achieve what you need to achieve. Amen. Isn't that so awesome? <laughs> it's amazing how these small little kids can teach us a thing or two about, about the power of God's word. Okay? And I was beside myself with joy. Um, so to really hear um, that from my, from my own daughter's mouth. Sometimes I probably am considered a fanatic, but you know, at this point in time, I, I, really, I really don't care because the word of God works. And the word of God on my mouth will work. Right? And even my sweet husband <laughs> doesn't escape my, my, my fanatical behavior. I think, you know, he's now no longer surprised to, to, to see me talk back to the TV <laughs> or talk back to the book that I'm reading because I will not allow the negative confessions of the world to affect my life. I will speak back to it and confess the word of God. I'll even speak back to the weather app. <laughs> when we're driven and it starts wanting to rain, I Speak to the weather. I, I command it to line up with my words. I command the weather to behave in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> and I know we did it earlier in the service, but, you know, as I was talking about weather, I, I, I really felt, you know, we really have to declare today and speak against the weather in Cape Town. We, really, we command the weather to line up with our words. We command the weather in Cape Town to behave right now in Jesus' name. We speak a protection against our family in Kingdom Life Ministry. We seek a protection um, amongst our families uh, of everyone here. We command them to be safe. We command the angels to protect them. No evil shall befall them. Neither shall any calamity come nigh them. Amen and amen and amen. Look, it seems funny. But in order to win in life, in order to overcome the trials, the tribulations, the troubles that the enemy will throw at us, no, not only do we have to watch what, what gets into our eyes, and what we think and what we believe. But we have to fight the war of words. We must think. We must believe. And we must speak the word of God. Amen. And not only must we do it once. But we must do it over and over and over again. Amen. 
So today I want to share with you three principles uh, that the Lord has really been teaching me about this uh, really powerful principle um, of confession. And, and my prayer for you this morning is that you'll take these principles, you will apply them in your life, and you will begin to see and experience victory over every situation that's holding you back. Amen. So the first principle I want to share with you today, and for those taking down notes, is you can have what you believe and what you say. Amen. So words, our words, they actually give expression to what's, what's in our hearts. What we really believe. Matthew 12 verse 34 says, out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouths speak. So whatever you store in, in large enough quantities in your heart will some way or other find its way into your mouth and you will speak it. This is best illustrated in how we, we became born again, right? And how we were translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Romans 10 verse 10 says that with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. In other words, he believes in his heart that he is righteous. But he, ex he expresses this belief through confessing. And when he does so, when he speaks it, he is saved. Amen. When Jesus cursed the fig tree in Mark 11... And I'm just going to give you some context here for those who are not really familiar with the story, right? So Jesus, I suppose, I suspect he was hungry, <laughs> walked past the fig tree with his disciples, and the fig tree had no, had no figs at that, at that time, right? And, and so he cursed the fig tree, and he said, you know, you will, you will dry up from the roots, and, and you will die, and you'll not bear fruit again, okay? Um, but when he did this, he spoke what he believed, he didn't just believe that the tree would dry up from the roots and die. He expressed this belief through speaking it. He spoke it. He cursed it. He told it to dry up from the roots and die. And it dried up from the roots and died. Amen. And as if this wasn't a big shock enough, because I can imagine his disciples were like, what on earth, you know? Jesus then commands him to literally do the same thing. Okay. But this time, he didn't give them an example of speaking to a fig tree. He actually gave them an even bigger example, speaking to a mountain. And I like to believe, I mean, he, you know, it, it just incidentally happened that there was probably a mountain in front of him, right? But this is really an analogy. Because that mountain could have represented anything in his disciples' lives. Anything in your lives that's standing in front of your victory. You too can speak to it. Amen. So let's hear what Jesus has to say in Mark 11. We'll start in verse 23 to 24. Whoopsie, sorry. Right, so this was Jesus. It's bleeding, it's red. Jesus says, for verily I say unto you. Can I have it in King James, please? I'll have all my verses in King James, please. Thank you. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain... Whosoever shall say unto this situation, unto this giant, unto this thing preventing me from receiving what God has promised me. Okay, he says, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. 
but shall believe that those things he say will come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He saith, right? It says he saith. Amen. Verse 24 says, Therefore, I say whatsoever things ye desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. So if we go back maybe to 23 quickly, um, if we pay attention to the scripture that I've, that I've just read, um, you'll see that believing is mentioned once. One time. But speaking is mentioned one, two, three, three times. And I think the church mostly gets the believing part. But we don't realize that what we believe is expressed through what we say. So we must speak it. Amen. Amen. So go with me now to Numbers 13. And this is really just our scripture for this specific principle of you can have what you believe and what you say. And we'll start with verse 27. And I'm just going to summarize it at this point. Um, So the number 13 tells us of the story of the children of Israel. And um, I think they'd reached at this point, uh, Kadesh Bernia. And at this point, they'd sent out 12 spies to spy or, or to check out the land of Cana. I think we understand check out more than spy. To check out the land of Canaan. To really just assess this land before they went into it. And we know the story. Ten of the spies came back with an evil report. Two of the spies came back with a good report. Now an evil report is really just a a report of doubt. And a good report is a report of faith. Amen. Amen. So let's just read what the ten who came to give a a report uh, to the children of Israel after they'd, they'd gone into the land of Canaan said. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the children be strong in that land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. So in other words, what the ten spies were saying is, look, we've checked out this land, and boy, It is flowing with milk and honey. And they even had proof of it. They had evidence. They brought some fruit. And and we all know the story. The grapes were probably the size of, you know, Pastor T here. They were so huge. They had to be carried on like two poles or whatever um, by by two men each, you know. I mean, mean, this this land was good, right? So they, they, they didn't deny that God's word was true about that. But then they went on to negate everything that God had said. Because they said, look, this land was flowing in the milk with milk and honey, but whoo, there were giants in that land. There were huge giants in that land. The city was walled. It was very great. Oh, we, we, we're not sure, eh? And verse 31 then says, but the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, a, a report of doubt. Amen. Verse 33. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which comes of giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so were we in their sight. Oh boy. So when we analyze their report, 
Here are ten men going into the promised land that God had promised would be theirs. Truly it flowed with milk and honey. But they came back with a report saying, we cannot. We can't do it. We believe that we can take the land. But we can't. They doubted the word of God. And because they doubted the word of God, they just believed they couldn't take it. So they couldn't take it. And unfortunately, we know from the story, the rest of the children of Israel believed this evil report, sided with the majority, believed they couldn't take it, said they wouldn't take it, and didn't take it. Not a single one of the people who agreed with that evil report made it into the promised land. They wandered around the wilderness until they died. What they said came to pass. Do you know even when you're doubting, you're believing something. You're just not believing the right thing. It's the only difference. Because you always get what you believe and what you say. Amen. It was different. Praise God. For two of the spies. Joshua and Caleb. I like these men. They didn't deny that they were God, the, the giants in the land. In fact, I actually quite like this, and I skipped one of the verses, right? So I skipped verse 30. Um, while the ten spies were giving their evil report, Joshua actually tried to interject. He actually says in verse 30, he says, And Caleb, oh sorry, Caleb, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses. And said, let us go up at once and possess us, for we are well able to overcome it. In other words, he was saying to the people, keep quiet. Keep quiet. Stop thinking. Stop saying it. We are well able. He tried to interrupt. But we know in verse 31, the ten spies went on and on and on and on and on with their evil report. Numbers 14 verse 9, Joshua even tried to say something. Joshua said, only rebel not against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. They're bread. Their defenses departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear not. You see, Joshua and Caleb didn't deny the fact that there were giants in the land. Yes, they admitted. In our own eyes, we are as grasshoppers in their sight. But this time... When we analyze their report, which the Bible calls a good report. We see that what they believed in their hearts. And they believed that God had given them victory over these giants. They were well able. They could overcome. Their God was stronger than these giants. What they believed in their heart, they spoke it. They declared it. In front or in the face of an evil report. Amen. And we know the story. I mean, we know Joshua and Caleb were at the end the only two um, of, of the children of Israel that actually made it into the promised land. Amen. So, so really, church, it's not the giants in your life that defeat you. It's, it's really not. It's not the storms of life that defeat you. It's not even the devil that defeats you because he was defeated long, long ago. If you're defeated in life, you're defeated because of wrong thinking, wrong believing, and wrong speaking. 
Amen. And it's not too late. From today, you can, you can start speaking the word of God. Amen. You can have what you say and what you believe. Amen. So I remember um, a few years, well, two years back, well, a year back, um, when I came back from maternity leave, um, and, I, and I really got to put it in my desire to, to move jobs. So to move jobs in the company um, and, and, re- and really move on to something, something bigger and better. And um, at that point, um, the revelation of the favor of God had really just come to me, right? And, 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 and God was speaking to me about how the, the revelation of God can change things for me. It can change policies. It can change rules. It can change regulations just so that I could get through the door that God needed me to get through. And how many of you know that the favor of God can do that for you too? Amen. And so at this point in time, the company policy was that there were no internal movements. Uh, most of you know I'm, I work for an organization that has been sold by an international company. So at that point, um, there were no internal transfers, no external hires. So the policies, the rules were that. They said to me I wasn't going to move. Amen. So now I started to really just... Um, you know, stick to the word, stay in the word, really renew my mind to the word of God. But six months down the line, after I'd sent out my sieve, and I really just knew that I had the favor of God, nothing was happening. And so I went to God in prayer, and I said to him, God, I just need your wisdom here. What am I missing? What am I not seeing? What am I not doing? And he gave me Mark 11, verse 23. And I realized at that point, it wasn't, it wasn't enough for me to believe I had to express my faith through my words and through speaking out what I believe from the word of God. And so from that day, I said it. In the morning, I spoke I had the favor of God. In the afternoon, I spoke I had the favor of God. In the evening, I woke up in the middle of the night declaring that I had the favor of God and that doors would open for me. And literally four months later, I got a call from my now boss, um, she'd actually created a new department, and she, she was looking for people, like-minded people, to, you know, to, 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 to work with her. And she called me, and she said, listen, I've created a new department, I've created a new position, and I think it would suit you. Are you looking to move? <laughs> At that point, I said, yes, <laughs> it's my job, that's the favor of God, and needless to say, I got the job. Amen. So church, you can have what you believe and what you say. Amen. The second principle I want to share with you is, and for those taking notes, don't allow what you see to change what you say. Don't allow what you see to change what you say. Amen. Go with me to the book of Daniel. Daniel 3, please. I'm actually going to summarize verses 1 to 5 um, for the interest of time. Set the scenario for you. Okay, so here we have king, a king, and his name is King Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, I pronounced that name correctly. <laughs> and King Nebuchadnezzar had built a huge golden statue as a, I suppose a, a symbol of, of a god. And he had passed a decree saying that when, when music started playing, you know, when Toby Sachs starts playing his saxophone. Toby Sachs has a new album out, by the way. Amen. Amen. We can't wait to hear it in church. 
But when the psalmists start to play and the music starts to play, the people were to get down on their knees and worship that golden calf, okay? And he further made a decree saying that if anyone doesn't worship, bow down to this calf, they're going to be thrown into, into a fiery uh, furnace, okay? So where we're going to pick up on our stories, we're going to pick it up in verse 8. Actually, yeah, let, let, let me summarize verse 8 as well, okay? So everyone heard the music and everyone bowed down, except uh, the three characters of our story, Meshach, uh, Shadrach, and Abednego. They, they refused to bow down. They only had one God, and their God was God. They were not going to bow down to a uh, statue. Amen. And so some Chaldeans became a little bit jealous. And they ran to the king, and they said, King, king, you know, everyone is worshipping this God of yours, but we, we know certain Jews that are not. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're not worshipping the God. This is not fair. You know how it is. Men, big babies. Uh, they just, you know, were completely not impressed. So we'll start in verse 13. Women can be babies too. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now this verse illustrates two things in my mind. You see, the devil, he'll always give you more chances to do wrong. I mean, the king knew those people weren't standing, you know, bowing down to that statue. But he went to them in his fury, oh, raving mad. He said, Did, is it true? <laughs> is it true that you won't bow down? You see, the enemy wants to see if you'll change your mind. He wants to see if you will change your mind and therefore change your words. Just because there's some pressure. Amen. Also, I like the fact that King Nebuchadnezzar sent them with words. He sent them a message with his words. And it was now their turn to send a message back with their words. What do you think they said? Do you think they buckled down under the pressure? Under the king's fury? Or do you think they remained strong in faith? Let's, let's read on to find out what they did. They actually did the latter, by the way. So verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, they said, we don't need to defend ourselves here. If it be so, in other words, if you throw us into this furnace... Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery flame. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, in other words, if you don't throw us in, be it known unto you, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. This battle, interestingly, was waged with words. It wasn't waged with fights, arrows, spears. It was waged with words. Words of fear, spoken out and verbalized by Nebuchadnezzar, and even the Chaldeans, because they were afraid of something. And words of faith, 
spoken by our three characters. And we know the word of faith will always win. Amen. But the story is not over, right? So, you know, it hasn't ended because they've challenged the king. The devil was not finished. He wanted to give them one more chance to buckle over to the pressure. So let's read on to verse 19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visions was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. In other words, this man, this dude was angry to the extent that his face was reflecting his anger. He was furious. He'd been challenged. He did not want them to have their way. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it want to be heated. To be heated up, cranked up seven times more. And for good measure, verse 20 tells us, he commanded the most mighty men. I like to say he commanded the strongest, the meanest, the baddest men he had in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then to cast them into the, into the burning, fiery furnace. Now, what's the illustration that I'm trying to, to point or to paint here? The enemy will always turn up the heat to get you to change your confession. He will turn up the heat to try and get you to change your mind. Because he knows that once you've changed your mind, you'll change your thinking and you'll change your words. And what you say, like we said before, you will have. Amen. So verse 22, therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flames of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Okay, so I, you know, I think, I think well in pictures. I'm going to really just stand here and really paint the picture of what was happening, okay? So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had refused to, 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 to adhere to the king's commandment, okay? And because the king was so furious at them not listening to him, he literally had them bound up by the strongest, biggest, meanest men he had in his army. So there was absolutely no escape for them. And for good measure, he commanded that fiery furnace to be cranked up seven times more than it was ever heated. So the the heat was on. The pressure was on. And while our characters, while our heroes are literally sitting here, tied up, surrounded by the biggest, baddest, meanest men, no escape, The men who are supposed to throw them into the fire, as they are cranking up this furnace, the fire leaps up and it burns them. And they're sitting here tied up. What would you do? What would you do? I know many people at this point would have jumped up and said, "Uh uh-uh, king, we made a mistake. Uh -uh, We we, we don't believe God's word anymore. We're done. We're done. We worship you. Where's the golden calf? Let's worship it. Let's worship the statue. Right? The heat was on. The devil's cranked up his heat. What are you going to do? We know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down to this pressure. They remained in faith. They refused to change their confession. 
They held fast to the confession of their faith without wavering. And as the story goes, they were thrown into the fire. They were thrown into this very hot fire. But God, but God, but God saved them. And they came out of this fire, confession unchanged. They weren't even smelling of smoke, the story goes. So that's how, that's how, that's how awesome God is. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. So what does this mean for us today? It means that your words can either release faith or they can release fear. And every time you speak the word of faith, the enemy, he will turn up the heat. He'll even turn it up more than seven times. Just so that you can change your thinking and that you can change your confession. But I want to tell you something today, church. Our God is bigger than that heat. Our God is bigger than any storm the devil can throw at you. Just don't change your confession. Say about your situation what God says about your situation. Amen. And for those taking notes, the last principle I want to share with you is speak your future to your future. Speak your future to your future. The words that you speak today create your tomorrow. Create the future you'll have tomorrow. Every one of us in this room has the ability to create what we desire to see in our future through speaking the word of God over our lives today. And I just want to point out one thing. I, I, I need to say it here. Speaking to your desired future is not lying. Okay? It's not denial. We do not deny our current conditions. We do not deny our current world. But we choose to believe and receive the truth that God will change our natural condition. We are simply calling forth the true conditions that we are believing for based only on God's word. Amen. So in the natural Abraham, he was the fatherless old man. I mean, this, this dude was way, way beyond the age of having children. But we know in Genesis 15 verse 5, God had promised him children as many as the stars in the sky. By the time we reach Genesis 17, Abraham's 99, Sarah's 90, she still never had children. And in order for God's promise to manifest, God had to teach them about confession. And he had to teach them about the ability to use their confessions, to speak into their lives, speak their future to their future, despite their natural conditions. So go with me quickly to Genesis 17, and we'll read from verse 4. As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name be any more called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, 
For father of many nations have I made thee. Now here's, a, now here's God changing Abraham's name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. This name gave him a new identity. And as Abraham received his new identity and started to call himself what God said about him, he started to call those things that be not as though they were, even despite his old um, age, his, his natural circumstances which were telling him otherwise. He continued to call himself Abraham, father of many nations. And I like, to, I like to think of it this way, as he called himself uh, Abraham, as the people around him called him Abraham, father of many nations, it became a, a fulfilling prophecy. And we know that uh, one year after his name change, Isaac was born. And we know that he is the father of many nations. Amen. So in conclusion, Church, what are you saying about your life? What are you saying about your family? What are you saying about your health? What are you saying about your business? About your careers? Your words will shape your word. World. Your word will shape your world. You have in you the creative ability, like God, to create the very world that you live in. Stop putting God's word in your heart and releasing it by faith through your words. How do you do it? How do you do it? And many of us sitting here, I mean, for years we've, you know, we, we've spoken the wrong things. Just repent. Repent and make a conscious decision today. Today you will, you will speak what God has to say about you. Today you will believe in your heart and you will speak those things that God says about you. Today you will speak your future to your future. Today you will say I am prosperous. Today you will say you are strong. Today you will say I can do all things by Christ who gives me strength. Amen. Let us let us get up on our feet and, and let us just say a, thank, a, 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 a word of prayer to our Father today. Father, we thank you for today, Lord. Oh, Father, we thank you for this word, Father. Father, we thank you for the creative ability that you have given to us through our words, Father. Father, we thank you that like you, we can create our world through the words that come out of our mouth. Father, if we have if we have not spoken the right words, Father, today we repent, Father. Today we choose to speak only what you have to say, Father. Lord, we are not moved by what you see. We refuse to be moved by what we see. We speak life to every situation facing us. We speak life to our children. We speak life to their bodies. We speak life to our marriages. We speak life to our jobs. We speak life to our careers. We are strong. We are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors. We walk by faith and we walk by sight. We choose to only say what you say in your word, Father. Father, we thank you.
We thank you, Father. We thank you for your word, Father. We thank you for your children, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. Come on, just give God Amen. the praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank yes. You, thank you, Father. Thank you, thank Jesus. So you need to take the word of God and put it in your mouth. Amen. It's as simple as that. This is way bigger than positive confession. Amen. Uh, Sister Rachel has a word. You want to come and just share it quick? Very. Um, so just this morning, as I've been praying and just meditating as I've been listening to the word, this is a word for someone who's going through something in their lives, might be at work, um, might be at home, um, and you're looking for a solution, and you're trying to think, what can I do? What should I do? What should I touch? Who should I speak to? But the word that the Lord has given me this morning comes from Exodus 14, verse 14. And the Lord is saying, I will fight for you. You need only be still. Don't do anything. Just have faith that he who has said he will do what he will do, will do it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's lift out for that word. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you will fight for us. Thank you, Jesus. We stand still in your word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Someone say after me, I am blessed. I am blessed. I fear the Lord and delight greatly in His Word. Therefore, according to Psalm 112, my seed will be mighty in the earth and my generation will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in my house and my righteousness endures forever because I walk uprightly in the sight of the Lord light will arise in the darkness my confusion will be overcome I have guidance from the Holy Spirit there is no problem that can come against me that I will not have wisdom and the leading of the Lord to overcome thank you Jesus that's what the Word of God says in Psalms 112 well that was a good word and uh, we want to just thank Lady Chipo for uh, 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 being in obedience and delivering that word amen we have CDs that we have done with